0: This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast.
1: Hey guys, I want to welcome you back to another episode of Pivotal Conversations. Today's episode, I sit down with Will Wang, who is one of Australia's top marketers and someone that I've had a little bit to do with over the last couple of years uh, and, and really caught on to Will's stuff from a social media standpoint and heard him on a few podcasts and then started to dive deep and, and look into some of his work and, and I must say he's probably one of the most talented copywriters and marketers that I've, I've ever come across. But the topic that myself and will dive into today is marketing your business in a crisis, and I think this is something that all business owners, including myself, right now, we are having this uh, tug of war with uh, how we can go about marketing our business during this crisis, and almost like we're walking a tight a tightrope. Where is it ethical? to market my business right now and if so how do i do it while still being effective um and i think it's obviously one of the the uh, dichotomies that um we face right now is that you know how do we effectively market our business keep our exposure at its highest and continue to progress as a business while um, still remaining ethical and, and kind of um Giving value to our audiences. Um, so I think this is a really, really cool episode for all business owners out there um, who feel like they are maybe a little bit lost, feel like they're not sure what they should be doing right now, whether it's ethical or, or how they should be marketing their business. Um, it's a really cool episode because we do discuss and kind of um, will unpack a, a bit of a more of a mentality on how to go about this so that you've got your own framework to actually work through. Uh, and then we finish the episode off with some Q&A. Um, but if you are wondering how you should market your business during a crisis, then i do I strongly recommend that you continue listening, uh, and you listen the whole way through because there's a lot of a lot of key points and some key um, takeaways out of this episode, and some of those key takeaways are um, Will unpacks his opinion on on how you should be viewing business during this pandemic, so not just marketing, but how you can actually. Um, strategically plan um during this time with business and the mindset you should be taking with business right now um me and Will also discuss marketing strategies so um one of the things that I focus on um is market share and I think right now is a huge opportunity to capture market share so that's something that we dive uh, deep into uh, and Will explains what the, the opportunity is um coming out of the coronavirus pandemic um obviously it's an unfortunate situation and my heart goes out to all business owners out there that are struggling it also goes out there to anyone who's been affected um and especially um to the to those that um, have had any family members that have passed um i'm extremely sorry for those um but will does dive deep into what the opportunity from an economical standpoint um is out of this and i think that's something that um You know, um, as I said, it's unfortunate that we've gone through, um, and and people have lost their lives. But um, from an economic standpoint, there are some opportunities to be seized. Um, And lastly, as always, guys, we're going to dive deep into this episode now. Um, We're going to get get it started. um, But uh, at the moment, uh, we're running our three week business intensive training, which is still on the walls. We're a week in. We just finished the module of cash flow. and the, the guys are going through their uh, assessment now. So that's really, really cool. Um, it's super beneficial. Uh, so we're going to be doing another intake in a couple of weeks. Um, if you want more information about that, you can head over to our Instagram or you can head over to our website, elitevitalitymastery.net. Uh, if you enjoy this episode, guys, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you can hear future episodes. Uh, and if it does, and if you really enjoy it um, and you think that it's uh, shareworthy and uh, give it a screenshot give us a tag uh, share it with your friends because we're, we're just trying to offer as much value as we can uh, for free uh, trying to get as many business owners across the line so that when this is all said and done we can get back into the industry but more importantly start to get it back on our terms um i'm of the opinion that um our industry can get 20 times better than what it was before this hit. And I think this is the kick up the ass that we all needed. Uh, We need to start taking back the industry and bringing it on the, uh, bring it back on our terms as small business owners. Uh, As always guys, big thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy the episode and I'll see you on the other side. In your opinion, like, and, and from your experience, what do you think the best way for someone to market their business right now is? Yeah. Good question. Um,
0: I, 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 don't know if people want insight into my mind, but it's pretty messy in there. <laughs> <everywhere>. <laughs> um, in terms of like marketing in, in this time, right. I think you've got to come at from kind of two different perspectives. So the way I'm looking at it now is you, If you're doing the marketing like you were before some of it is actually still working So the biggest mistake that you can make is just do no marketing at all Um, I think that's that's you know, I see a lot of companies doing this and it's just not the right time to do it Like some of the biggest companies in the world started during the great depression Like when there's change, there's definitely opportunity. So number one thing is just keep if If you want if the marketing isn't as effective scale back and test a few things, but don't stop it Okay, in terms of launching new marketing uh, going back to the market strongly, there's two ways of looking at it. I think one is looking at how can I build for the future, right? So let's just say um, it's impossible for me to get new customers coming on board now. It just that doesn't work for my business model for some reason. Instead of going, well, how can I get sales today? It's more like, how can I get in front of the right people and keep building that momentum and brand recognition and building all of that kind of stuff so that when things do get back to normal, they know who I am and I can get back at them a lot stronger. So one of it is looking at, to building for the future, I'm not taking the money now, but making sure that you've got enough, you know, that when things do turn around and they absolutely will. And sometimes it's actually faster than you think would happen. When it does turn around, you're in a great spot to do it. The other side of it too, is marketing potentially different products or, or different services that can supplement and kind of get you through its time. So um, I'll take an example from, from another market, but we can talk more, you know, PTs and, and fitness specific, but um, there's, there's companies out there, you know, that were, that there were breweries, right. They were selling alcohol, stuff like that. They've turned their entire production model around to create hand sanitizers. Like that's such a good example of, of changing some of the products that you can do to, if not grow, at least survive and then to keep money coming in. So two different ways of looking at it. You can either mo- monetize for the future or you can monetize for slight change of your products and also services.
1: Mm. I think, um, I think that's like one thing that, and, and what would you guys as well is like, um, you know, give us some comments in the in the in the um, chat section and and say hello. Um, let us know if you can hear us okay. Let us know um, if everything's kind of going pretty smoothly. But I think the thing that um, is going to work the best here as well is getting a lot of questions coming through, like um, personally on your own business, maybe some of the struggles that you're facing um, when it comes to marketing your business at the moment, um, and and if you you know maybe if you're lacking clarity as well. But I think one of the things that um, I definitely have kind of noticed is that there seems to be um, like, obviously everybody's gone online, right. And everybody's kind of gone to home workouts and they've gone into this kind of, um, this, this kind of, they've almost like their hands being forced um, which in reality, like I think it's a really good way for people to spend time focusing on their current clients with that model but I think what's really going to get them that market share is a model that is moving away from the majority and trying to come up with say, like, like we said, maybe it's not gaining income right now. Like maybe the, the the play is having a defensive structure that looks after current clientele and maintains income there. But what we're trying to do is get on the offensive and capture market share over here um, and kind of getting outside the box. Like um, what, what do you think from your point of view, Um, like how do people like, there's an innovation side to that, but it's like, what, how do you stand out in a market? Like right now, how do you, how do you get your business to stand out during this time when you feel like your hand is forced? Um, or is, is there a particular strategy or or a way that will allow your business to stand out right now?
0: Yeah. Um, great question. So, um, you know, one of the things that, that I'm seeing, right, especially in fitness in, in, in industry is everyone's going online going, hey, let's just do online plans. Let's just do online training. And it's all really good to do that for your current customers because you've obviously got the relationship with them. Um, hopefully there's some loyalty in there and they're happy to to follow you online for the next, next little bit. I wouldn't, if you haven't done this stuff before though, I wouldn't put all of your chips into going online. And the reason for that is because, you know, I, I... I always like to think about things before making big moves. Right. Um, it's a, it's a book that, that we talked about in the last time we were having the chat. Um, oh man, I don't even know the book, um, the right Ryan, stupid. the stupid. That's exactly right. And I love his, um, his structure in terms of thinking, I think as business owners, we don't do enough thinking. So a, a very reactive thing to do would be looking at everyone else going, well, everyone else is talking about going online. Let's go online. But you have to think that, like, there's people who have been online for years and years, right? Massive followings, millions of followers, been pumping out YouTube videos for the past five or ten years, and then there's other people as well who are just expert marketers, um, who, who either partnered up with these people or they're, they're running their own thing online, and. If, or if you've been doing personal training mostly without really doing too much of the marketing or think about online marketing, you're now trying to compete with these guys who who do this every single day, right? Who live in Facebook ads, who live in, you know, doing YouTube videos and you're trying to take market share off them. It just doesn't quite work. So the way I'd approach it is look at what everyone else is doing and then think about what you can do differently that's going to get you results faster. So for me, if I was in the situation of like personal trainer, of I own own a gym, I'd be looking at going, well, everyone's trying to sell online courses. Maybe the best play for me isn't to do online programs for new customers. Maybe the play for me is to do, um, I'm not sure if I can quite talk about it because, because the client of mine actually come up with this idea, but maybe the play for me is to, um, somehow take my service to the people at home in some kind of way, not online. How can I physically do what we do and, give them the same result
1: without having to compete with everyone else. It, it, it's an interesting thing because I think that's the hardest thing. I think cause it all happened very quickly as well. I think like, mm. you know, um, from the standpoint of marketing your actual business, like obviously me and you were kind of talking innovation right now. And I know, you know, for us, it was kind of like the, the, the move that we tried to make was going, okay, well like, what we do as a company, like we we're like, honestly, we're a premium service. So it's like the, the reality is, is that our move is going to be looking after our current clients. Oh, that's also a big part of our branding, making sure that they're okay and that they get through this. But then the other side of it was like, okay, well, how can we get in front of people? How can we start to, um, you know, like, and, and in all honesty, like, and this is going to make you laugh, but it's like the way we go about it now is like, okay, well, everybody's going, home workout, everybody, every business coach in the, in the land was trying to go, okay, how can we offer, um, how can we help people or teach people how to go online? Right. Cause that's a shift. And I'm like, well, like that's such a aid. like that's not the actual thing. The problem that people are having, the problem that people are having is they're not set up to go through something like this. So then like, while everyone's pointing out how to get people into their offense, well, like maybe we focus on their defense, right? So it's like, and this is an interesting thing. It's like maybe the play is not whether you go online or not, but it's actually how you deliver it. Or maybe it's what, whether or not, um, whatever, you maybe you change the outcome. Right so for instance, it's like maybe yeah, whatever your outcome was, you're changing it into something that was more um, built around behavior because um, I know we release like a game theory type thing where you know it's it's a point system and we're driving community over um, over results like we were trying to go, okay, well, what's going to be the biggest the thing that's going to help um, business owners right now grow and the reality is is that the only thing we could come up with was like, you either have to have some product or service that solves the exact problem right now, or you need to solve, um, the other problem that everyone's going to feel, which is lack of connection. So it's like, Mm -hmm. how can we build connection in the service we offer and use that as our actual marketing tool? So, you know, going, okay, well, like, let's use our community spirit and community connection as our actual marketing tool, rather than the result we were previously using, because I think that what most people are going to experience, especially if you're selling fitness is that fitness may not solve the problem that people are facing right now. Like health is a, is a minimum term, but it's definitely not like you can be fit and still be, you know, you could still be in a place of lack. Right. And and I think like that's one of the, the take home messages is like, I think, I don't know whether you guys focus too heavily on this, but, you know, branding and and kind of looking at what your branding does and then how you can attend to the higher emotional needs of um, your audience based on where they're at in that very point in time.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think we can come back to marketing as well because even the branding conversation, a lot of it is to do with marketing. Whereas I think in situations like this, the conversation might have to be at a level higher than marketing and we might have to look at business models itself. So just to give a, a, a concrete example, right? So rather than saying, Hey, how can we get in front of more people to, to find out what we do? Maybe, that's the wrong question, like maybe the question is, well, what kind of business model in the fitness industry would work well at this point in time? So maybe it could be something like, well, why don't I talk to someone who manufactures fitness equipment and co brand something that I can sell to my people. So rather than them having to come into the gym, I now take a cut off the equipment, it's home-based equipment and I provide the services and, and the information for them to, to do their home workouts. Maybe it's like a change of business models entirely. Um, and I know it's, it's something that you've got to think about for yourself. So it's not like an easy thing that you can throw out. Right. It, requires thinking, requires planning. You've got to look at upsides, downsides, effort involved, or what you think the impact would be. But maybe it is something like, well, instead of um, us having the gym before, if we've got gym equipment that we can rent out to people, why don't we rent it out to people, deliver it to our customers, and use that as a way to drive new people in, in for our doors. So it might be a new way of conducting business. It, it could be a really good experiment. And you know, you might come out of this saying, well, actually, I really like the way that we did business during during lockdown why don't we do that all the time i don't have to then pay all this rental for this, you know, really big place. We can just get equipment directly from suppliers and put, put, some kind of markup on it. I think if you have the right, if you tackle it from the problem that consumers are facing, so things like boredom, right? Um, because honestly, home workouts are actually pretty boring. Like I'm, I'm, I'm such a, a bad client in terms of PTs because I just like doing, like I, I'll, I'll, train in, in Jiu Jitsu, Muay Thai, any day of the week, but put me in front of a set of weights and I switch off. Like I'm the worst client. Um, Maybe that's a problem that that they're facing. They just don't have the innovative workouts or they're getting bored. They don't want to invest in huge pieces of equipment. Like what is the actual problem people are having with home workouts and how can you capitalize or where are you set up where you've got a massive advantage against competitors to go and change a business model slightly, but
1: also get pretty good results. I think it's it's really cool because um I actually know some gym owners that are doing this at the moment. Um, they they kind of seen an opportunity to sell gym equipment, and they are absolutely crushing with it. Like crushing, mm. and and they were they were they were a gym that was always going to survive, but they were worried about the the impact and the hit it, it would it, they would get. And and the little pivot that they've made, like man, they've made like nearly. I'm not going to say, but it's kind of like fucking they're made bank on it. And it's kind of like, this is the pivot in the mind that needs to happen. It's like, you know, the reality is as a business, you're always just a problem solver and whoever can get the most creative with solving the problem is usually the, the people that, um, they get the, the, they acquire the most amount of distance in the shortest amount of time, right? They get the most power and the most bang for buck out of what they're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's literally
0: so many. I think the, the biggest takeaway, if anyone goes from this, it's not the marketing tactics and stuff like that because honestly, tactics change every single day, right? Like Facebook might work well today, tomorrow it might not. The biggest thing that you can take away is just having the proper time to think through it and to think about ideas that your customers would love and that work for your business. Um, just just another idea as well, you know, if you, if you are a, a gym that provides a premium service, potentially something that you can, you can be doing is setting a set schedule or timetable for people to come into the gym and have the gym all, all to themselves themselves so now you can charge a premium price because now you've got a set timetable you get the entire gym to yourself whatever you want to do for an hour there's a trainer in there with you but it's going to cost a little bit more and there's a certain subset of the market who love that kind of stuff like they they would have paid for it and they love the fact that they've got the entire place normally they would pay to kick everyone else out anyway right they just got massive egos so maybe that's a different play on it so i think if you have different types of thinking, if you ask better questions and if you think about the customer first, rather than thinking about, you know, marketing, what are my competitors doing? You'll
1: get some pretty cool answers. I think it's, a, it's, it's a great point. Um, what do you think the gangster move is right now from an exposure standpoint? So um, like let's forget offers for a second and let's go, well, how mm. can I, what, what are some of the strategies that you're seeing that are working really well or some of the strategies that you're using Um, for people to capture market share and start to um, be seen as an asset in the eyes of their customers.
0: Yeah, so so giving value is really big at this point in time. Um, a, a couple of really good examples, maybe one outside of fitness and one inside of fitness. So, one outside of fitness is a company that, that, that I follow um, that sells education online. So, it's a monthly subscription, it's like 50 bucks a month or something like that. And they gave away their subscriptions free for, I think, a month and a half. And they got about 50,000 people signing up to it. Now, what they've done is they've sent out another email off the back of that saying, Hey, we're a small company. As much as we would love to help us, you know, more, um, we, we have to keep the lights on. We've got people we have to feed as well. So then they started charging for their services. But what they did was for very minimum, um, effort and cost and everything like that, they've gotten now 50,000 new leads through their business. And from that, they'll, they'll probably generate probably like a million dollars in revenue because the services are actually pretty good. Now, to take it and look at it from a, a health, and health and fitness um, perspective, uh, there, there's an app out there called Center. I think Chris um, for, is it Chris Hemsworth or one, one, like a Hemsworth, right? One of the Hemsworths. Yeah. <laughs> they have like a, a fitness app and they um, partner up with Fitness First to make it free for about three months, something like that. So now they've got a huge new user base that would never have touched your app before. And now they can they've got an opportunity to get people addicted to what they do um, and potentially sell them after that, that 90 day free period actually actually comes up. So if you can give value to your market somehow, if you can get people's details onto an email list, it's a perfect opportunity to, to, to get more exposure. Right. And also have the opportunity to market them later on. Once, once
1: this stuff kind of blows over. That's a really cool point. So like almost like free PR, right? Like it's kind of like, Um, maybe, you know, not necessarily, I think we, we get really caught up in advertising um, a lot of the time when sometimes the, the kind of OG move can be um, the collaboration or, you know, getting that connection, getting that insight um, and, and, you know, partnering up with people to kind of gain access to a new audience or a new network. Like I know, I know for us, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're thinking about ways outside of the box rather than just shoving content down people's throat, right. Where it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, what, what kind of things do people want to hear right now? And then, you know, is there, is there another way to get an audience or to, to start to get um, in contact with an audience? And, um, looking into things like free PR writing articles for certain companies doing different things is, is definitely something that I think, um, it can be a kind of out of the box thing. And even, even leveraging, you know, for a lot of these guys who are on here, leveraging off their current gyms, um, network seeing if there's any way that you can start to offer value you know through writing articles through um you know maybe some webinars maybe some different things where you know you can run some some things if you you work out of a fitness first or whatever wherever it is that you're based out of actually tapping into that network and starting to capture market share for your personal business is a is a quality move um what i want to do is i want to get a guys that you should be able to um it should be something in here for you guys to um, raise your hand. Um, and what I want you guys to do is give us a raise of hand. If you're currently struggling with ideas around your marketing um, or, or ideas or some kind of creative um, innovation around how to get your business to gain market share and start to progress during this period. Cool. So we're starting to get some numbers. So, Awesome.
0: Cool. Lots of numbers coming through. Um, and if, if you guys have any specific questions as well,
1: um, just, just chuck them into the chat. What, what, yeah. So I want to hear from everybody within the, within the questions box. So use the Q and a box. What's the, what's the biggest struggle that you're actually facing right now? Like what is it that you're finding hard about marketing and, and gaining exposure during this time? wait for a few to come through don't be shy come on yeah it takes a little bit to come through cool so anthony cassis has said that he feels like he's sounding the same as every other business so i think that's an interesting one like i think that's one that everybody's facing right now and um as i said i think like the when it comes to differentiating yourself from the current business i think you've, you've got to be able to recognize patterns um and i think again like this is something me and you will we talked about on a podcast is looking at the intelligence of things like you know your your net your default mode is going to be following what you think is right in this time if you don't actually have the intelligence within your business to see what was previously working and and also looking at what the numbers are telling you in this point in time so i think like if you feel like you're sounding the same as every other business then you, you know you actually have to check that right you actually have to consciously look at the language you're using and look at what you're offering up and look and okay well you know, are you doing what you're doing because you think it's the right thing or are you doing what you're doing because you actually believe it's going to, um, fulfill someone's higher emotional need during this time? Like, um, Cause it's, there's a big difference there. It's like, you know, like, you know, we, we have directly taken a stance to go against what the market's saying right now, because we don't believe it's the right thing. Like, again, as soon as coronavirus came out, there was care packages going out left, right and center. There was like every person who has anything to do with business was going pivot online now or else you're doomed forever. And it's like, I understand that. And and I understand that, you know, you're going to need to get some type of, um, strategy in place to, to start, you know, growing through this time, but to automatically think that it is to go online is completely wrong. Like what if it's to, you know, what if the opportunity right now is to start setting up your defensive strategies so that you next time something like this happens, whenever the next recession is, whenever the next kind of economic downfall is that you're ready from a financial standpoint, from a branding standpoint, like the reality is, is that you're branding throughout this time or whatever you the conscious effort you put into branding previously pretty much gives you what the next move is because it's you you know who you're serving and you know what they that what they're probably wanting right now um so initially it's like well you know like the bigger like for instance one of the like anthony said i feel like i'm sounding the same as every other business it's like well you know what's your opinion on that will and what's your what's your advice for anthony if he if he wants to kind of move away from that
0: yeah, so I, I think I, I kind of like to answer questions with questions, which I, I know it sounds kind of but I truly believe if you ask the right questions, you'll, you'll, you'll figure out the answers, right? You'll, you'll get the right answers. So um, so, so a, a guy much more richer, much smarter than me, Peter Till, who founded PayPal, he had this one question he used to ask everyone he was interviewing. And the question is, what does everyone else believe? Um, which is, which uh, that's wrong. Like what's common beliefs and common knowledge that you personally think is actually wrong. So that's a question I always look at when the market's doing one thing. So take, for example, you know, everyone's shouting, Hey, coronavirus, blah, blah, blah. He's like, he, he he's a coupon to get 50% off. My thinking was that everyone else is shouting the same message. Everyone is shouting the same. I don't want to do that. So I'm either not going to, I'm either not going to discount, or I'm going to discount it to hundred percent right? You look at what everyone else is doing. They're thinking they're making the same play because they're looking at everyone else going, Oh, look, this, this company's on this, let's just follow that. But if you know, and, and for a fact, you know, people, if, if you do that, you're not going to get good marketing and people as, as a, as a general group are actually not a smart, right? Um, a person by themselves, highly intelligent when people get into groups, maybe not. So when I look at what the group's doing, so for example, everyone, everyone was shouting, Hey, Corona is really bad, blah, blah, blah. He's 50% off. I went the opposite way, right? Everyone had a very negative message. Um, we launched a campaign for ourselves and for some clients of ours. And, and honestly, it was just an email that said fuck Corona and had a very positive spin said, look, everyone else has been negative. Here's what we're doing. That's positive. Here's why it's not the end of the world. Here's why, you know, here's how you can actually survive from it. So I think, if you feel like everyone is shouting the same message, sit down and go, well, what are they saying? That's wrong. And how can I position myself differently? Because there's no rule saying you have to be like everyone else. There's no rule saying just because your competitors marketing a certain way, you have to market the same way. No r- r- rule at all. Like I
1: really like to zig when everyone else is zagging. Yeah. I think like, it, it, it's very interesting. And this is like, I, I, we did the same thing. So instead of, Honestly, the first thing that we did, we put our defensive strategy in place with our current clients and made sure that they were up for the fight. Um, and and kind of, because I think that's half the goal, But as we started to go on the offensive, we're like, okay, well, what is our offensive strategy throughout this time? And our offensive strategy is going, okay, well, like let's not beat around the bush here. Like let's not go... And, and try to cover the holes in people's businesses with the aid. Let's try to actually help mm-hmm. them understand what's gotten them into the current position they're in so that they never in that position again. And if we can help people realize that and make create better business owners, like we're not just known as the people who are going to cover, um, you know, who are just offering this, this kind of get rich quick scheme or this kind of quick fix Um, you know uh, content it's like we're now starting to to put things out there that are getting people thinking long term because if there's one thing that's going to get people in the right mindset right now to actually get through this it's thinking long term so but the whole mechanism there is that we actually went against the market and we went against the market straight away um and and the reason we did that is purely because we didn't agree with it and we actually you know that was me kind of sitting down and going okay well like what's the root cause of everyone's problems right now and I go, well, it's not really coronavirus. Like coronavirus isn't the, the thing that's causing people the most issues. It's the fact that they haven't, they, they you know that their defense in business isn't up to scratch and they're now copying the full effect of it. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, well, like if we can play on that a little bit and actually, you know, bring the truth to people or what we believe the truth to be, then, you know, that's, that's going to sit differently in people's minds and it may not pay off now it probably will pay off in four months once this is over and people go, okay, well, is there something that these guys are saying that really is sticking in my mind for a reason? Is, is there some type of truth that I'm seeing here? Um, and I think that's probably from your perspective, you can probably chime in on this a little bit more than me, but from a marketing standpoint, like marketing isn't always about just the leads you get tomorrow. Like I think mm-hmm. marketing, it can be this beautiful planned out, Um, when you get your message and you clarify your message it can be this thing that ends up the trickle effect of people coming to you after seeing your message a few different times and it resonating with them and then you know maybe three to six months later it actually starts to pay off which i think is a really good point for everyone who's watching to understand is that don't play the short game in marketing and don't focus heavily on how many leads you get in a short period of time, focus on the long-term um, plan that your marketing can have. Cause then you start to get these long-term results. And, you know, business is this really interesting thing where, you know, the, the better you can think long-term, the more sustainable your business becomes and what, how you value a business is by how sustainable it is. Like, no one will buy your business if you run an unsustainable model. And I know that not many PTs probably think about selling their business, but you know, there's just that there's this thought process that if you can build a business to sell, you're building a business that's sustainable. Now you may not want to build your business to sell in this industry, but I guarantee you, you want it to be sustainable, (laughs) right? Like you want to have sustainable success in your business. So I think the more we can spread this long-term kind of, um, mindset with marketing um the, the better off we are long-term in business and especially sustainability because it's, it is that clarity of message that allows for that do you have anything you want to add to that will like how maybe give them an insight into how you can actually create long-term sustainability or a, or a long-term message and strategy around marketing um from that standpoint
0: yeah, look, I, I think that's a super important message because honestly, the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my businesses uh, in terms of the long-term results are playing short-term games or, or you know, or chasing short-term short term turnarounds. Um, that's created massive dramas, right? So I think in terms of like, you think about it long-term is, um, I, I know that the PT industry and fitness industry, not a lot of people think about, hey, can I sell this off to someone else? But um, what you want to be thinking is in five or 10 years time, am I going to be still doing what I'm doing now? Am I still going to be in my gym for eight to 10 hours a day? Am I still going to be happy doing that? And the answer might be no, right? Um, if you think about it for you. So like for me, thinking about the businesses I've got now, do I still want to be doing what I'm doing today in five years time? Maybe not. Like I, I can kind of see an in, in, uh, end in, in sight. But rather than approaching like, hey, it's just something I'm doing to pay cash. It's something I'm enjoying now. If you think about your business as an actual asset, like as an actual business, you should be able to sell off and get some kind of value back from that. And the worst case, you know, worst case scenario is even if you can't sell it off, what if you can't work for a week or two weeks or a month, right? Say if something happens, because life happens, like shit happens, right? How do you build a business that can operate without you for a month comfortably without everything kind of, you know, just, just going to crap? Um, that's always one of the key metrics that i look at in terms of my, my businesses, my clients. It's like, how do we get it to the point where marketing aside, all this other stuff aside that it can grow by itself and it can sustain. So I can do this if I want to, but if I don't, it's still going to go, go go on without me. And if you build with that kind of. Um, mindset in place. I think that's, you're going to have such a stronger business, right? Because if you have that kind of business in play, the next time the GFC hit or, or, or the next pandemic, whatever it is, you're going to build it in the right way to get you through that as well. And to even, you know, take a, take advantage of opportunities that come up during those times.
1: Well, I think it talks to the fact is like we can use right now as an example is like, you know, like the reason you should be trying to set your business up like that is purely because of what we're going through right now. Like, you know, the people that had their business set up like this previously aren't forced to scramble and do home workouts and, and just become something that they're not. Like, you know, I know that it's, it's, it's the same with us. It's like, you know, the, the, the fact that we've set our business up in a way that it can still run smoothly right now is the only reason why we can sit here and have a conversation with you. Um, and and talk like this and and run something like this for free unconditionally for the no other fact that we want to offer value to the people that need it right now. And there's a concept there that I, I think is really important. It's the fact that our message hasn't changed, you know, and this is what I was talking about as well is like, you know, the reason, the only reason we chose to go against the market is because that's what our message is. Like we've been saying this for a year and a half is that there's more to, and, no offense, Will, there's more to business than marketing, but I know that you'll agree no, with
0: that. I, I 100% agree with that because, right. you know, first and foremost, we have to be business owners. Marketing yeah. is, there's people online who shout up about marketing like it's the only thing that runs a business. It's not. There's operations, there's HR, there's cash flow, there's financials. I think a lot of marketers don't get the fact that we're dealing with real businesses, right? People run real businesses where it's not just about how much sales can I bring in, it's more like how much cash flow right? How do I pay myself? How do I pay my staff? How do we survive until next week or next month? And how do we build for the future? So I'm in complete agreements, man. Like I think a lot of the short sight, you know, shortcomings of businesses, um, especially businesses started by marketers or people who focus a lot on marketing are not understanding all the other elements. So it's a good point.
1: It's very important to bring up as well. A hundred percent. What do you think some of the consequences of changing your message right now is? So like, you know, obviously you may have been spending Six to twelve months, building a certain message, putting a certain message out there, um, building some type of a brand, and then right now, obviously, with how things have gone, having an extreme pivot um, and not, not, you know, maybe it's not a, a full three hundred and sixty, but you are changing your message. What are some of the consequences that can occur, especially over the next six to twelve months?
0: You know what, man, the honest answer is I I just don't know uh, because it does differ from, from business, from, from each business, right? Mm -hmm. If you've been spending a lot of time setting up messaging and the messaging just doesn't work at all in in this current environment, maybe, maybe to survive, it is time to ban that message just for now and to talk about something else. Potentially. Um, I just don't know. Right. The other way to think about it is if you've got a strong business behind you and you've been hammering this messaging for the past year and a half or something like that to build it up. Well, if you can get for the next period, does that messaging help you grow really quickly once life gets back to normal? So that's all stuff to think about. I wouldn't, it's always on a case by case basis. I wouldn't say, you know, hands down, this is going to happen if you change your messaging because it it is different for every single business.
1: 100%. Yeah. And I think like, obviously the the consequences can range based on the individual business. That's that, that we're talking about. And I think like, this is again, it's definitely hard because it's like you know you're everybody's in their own realm right like it's like you know you might be talking about health you might probably be talking about more like gut health or you know you could be talking about you know fighting um and you could have like a you know like a martial arts gym and then you could have like a body composition and i think it's like the reality is and and this is something that i think um uh there's a so crew which is um one of the the gyms that i actually train at um they did a really good job with maintaining their message and creating a high-end product and i think that that was what they're they're differentiating differentiating uh or how they position themselves different to the market which also aligned with their branding because for instance at that gym you walk in there and it, it basically sells itself right and what i mean by that is They've got really cool stuff on the walls, right? It's one of these, so they've got a big LeBron picture, a Kobe picture, you know, and it's like decked out. It looks really nice, and I think the problem is, is that when you're going and and you've got to pay attention to this, right? So paying attention to um, what your message and the way you've articulated it through everything that you've done, the different dynamics is so important because if they come out with a product, their home workout product, and it's super low end super low budget like the people the reason pete their community has bought into what they do is well one massive aspect of that is the high-end environment and and uh the the kind of connection and and um, vibe that comes from that actual gym right and, and then it's like you know if you're coming out now and you're giving a totally separate kind of experience there's that the type of person and the the higher emotional needs that you're attending to of that individual or that audience no longer feels the same connection and then that's what this is what we're talking about with capturing market share it's like you've got a massive thing here where you know if you fail to bring the same vibe the same brand the same level of service throughout this time people will leave you right? And if they leave you, that means they're up for grabs, right? And if they're up for grabs, like, you know, that's another, that's, that's half the opportunity now. And I don't like, unfortunately, usually in business, your growth comes at somebody else's expense. That's just the game we play. I I also think that the the point on that as well
0: is a lot of people are kind of starting to be very reactive with marketing and messaging. Like they're just going, all right, this is something that we have to do today. I've seen you know, generally when, when when businesses die right there's no real one thing that happens um you know that that, that kind of causes it but my my whole thinking around this is if you're going to be reactionary you can do way more damage than than if you actually you know just just did the same thing that you were doing before um obviously you know it's a little bit different this time around because this thing happens so quickly but you can make a snap decision and it can be the wrong decision and have a massive impact or you can kind of sit back and do nothing and just survive for the next little bit and maybe things will get back to normal. So I would really take a hard look at what your, what your audience expects from you, what your customers expect from you, how you communicate with them, the value you were providing before, before just going, look, this stuff's happening now. Let's change everything. Let's change all of our marketing, our business models, just to talk about this next, this, this thing happening now because it, it could only last for another, you know, three or four weeks or a month or two and then went back to life as normal. But then if you go through and react and change everything super quickly now and you know, do a complete pivot, maybe you're setting yourself up to go okay for the next month. But then what happens when everything goes back to normal? Like you've done undone 18 months, two years, five years of hard work just for this little period of time and it wasn't even worth it. So I would caution, you know, just be a bit cautious. Uh, don't make a lot of big reactionary decisions right now. Take some time to think about this kind of stuff.
1: I think it's a really cool point as well. If you actually do spend time trying to create something that's long-term, you're creating a separate income stream. So when things do go back to normal, you know, if you can create something that has, you know, quote unquote, what we talk about some steel on the walls um, and and is actually going to be there to stay, you're creating a separate income stream that you could tap into, you know, for instance, if you're a face-to-face gym, you know, the the reality is, is that right now you could create something that would become a passive income for people that may not actually be in your area, but because that's heavily where you focused your business before COVID and what you were doing. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this opportunity where you can start to tap into people outside of that and, you know, referrals from family members and and other countries, other states, whatever it is. But the reality is, if you create something, that's not just reaction or a reaction to what the market says, but actually represents your brand um, and is, you know, truly um, solving the problems that someone has right now like who's to say that that can't be a passive income. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like with the whole gym situation and selling gym equipment, it's like, well, who can't, you know, what's not to say that there's not a market there for that after this is all finished. Like what's there not to say that you can start tapping into that as a passive income stream, which creates a higher profit margin within your business. Right. So, you know, you've got, you've got your assets and then you've got your revenue and, um, you know, you're looking at going, okay, well, that's what, you know, that gap creates my profit. So, you know, having this passive income could also cover the the assets or the expenses that you have. And all of a sudden now your profit margin shoots through the roof. And I think that's like a, a key pillar here that we're looking at is that going, okay, well, like if you can truly market your business and create, an alignment with a, an out of the box out of the square kind of offer. There's no reason why this can't be something that continues on. Maybe not at the, 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 the rate or the, the percentage of clientele that you previously had, but maybe it's just something that sits there and, um, you know, creates this little buffer for you in the future. Um, yeah, I, I actually think um, that, that
0: some gym owners are actually going to come out of this and some personal trainers, they're going to come out of it way stronger than when we actually w- went into it. And um, it, it's going to be something that's kind of forced, right? It's kind of, I think it's one of those situations where you can get really comfortable just doing the day-to-day, just keeping the gym operating, keeping the you know customers c- coming through. But sometimes when things get shaken up and shaken up in a short amount of time, that's when you're mindset you know your thinking actually opens up so i think if you're if you've got the correct thinking going into this and during this period as well you can actually come out of this much much stronger than than going into it um, and i think there's so many opportunities and potentially you know there might even be opportunities where you can acquire other gyms around your area and grow that way i mean there's there's so many good good incentives that, that we've got from the government you know they're, they're backing um big loans from the bank at the moment by the way, guys, not financial advice.
1: <laughs> not yeah. telling you
0: guys to go out and get massive loans and start buying other businesses, but you know, there's just so many different opportunities that if you're open to it and you, you, you think about it, you know, think about the risks involved as well, it might
1: open up doors that you can that you weren't open up before. Eric Eric Pullman um, has a, a question, and it's kind of. Um, Knowing the content, my followers and others may be looking for what I might do, um, is I might get Eric to give us some context on that and bring him on and allow him to talk so that, um, cause I think it's a, it's a cool question, but I think there's, it can obviously be there there might be some context here is kind of like, you know, under, uh, that we can touch base on, um, Eric, I'm going to, Whoop, well, he may not actually be with us anymore. yeah cool he may not be with us anymore um but let's answer that question anyway because it's a good question um so you know eric's question was kind of like how do we understand if how the content we're putting out um or you know what we're putting out is actually resonating with the with the audience that we want it we want it to actually resonate with Cool. So
0: two different ways to look at it. This is getting a little bit tactical, but, but, but it's good because you know, we can kind of riff on this a bit too. So two things I look at doing in this situation. One is super simple and just survey, survey the people who follow your content, survey your audience and just ask them, hey, what type of content can I produce that you would really like to see that will be helpful for you? So that's the first thing that you can try and do, right? Generally, people have got a pretty good idea. They've got questions in their mind and and they should come back to you and you can answer that. The second way to do it is look at putting different types of content out there and using some of the numbers and data that comes back from it to kind of determine what people are interested in. So for example, if you have an email list or a list of customers, send different emails to them with different messages and look at the open rates, click-through rates, all that kind of stuff. So really that. I like doing that because that's them using the actions to tell you what they actually want. Whereas if they're asking you questions, they may think they want the answers, but it might not. But you know, there's no reason saying
1: you can't do both. So um, it, it's all, it's, it's an interesting thing. Like I think um subconsciously, if you like, I think that's what the data tells you. I think it tells you what they truly want subconsciously and, and their subconscious usually um is usually what tells them to, to buy or to engage if that makes sense. Like, so uh, I want to tap into that a little bit more because I think it's something that not enough people in the fitness industry, especially as business owners tap into what kind of metrics from a marketing standpoint should be tracked. Um, and what kind of, uh, you know, for instance, you talked about email lists. We talk about social media engagement. We talk about all of this stuff. What are some of the metrics um, and, and critical drivers in a sense mean, what mean you know as critical drivers that, um, that you would recommend people tapping into and, and if they're not using them to start using them, but also what metrics do they need to track? And what, almost explain what, because we talked about this on our podcast, but, you know, how do you know what a good insight is, especially from a marketing standpoint?
0: Yeah. So there's only one metric that we, that, that we track, right? If this metric works, everything's sweet. That metric is, is ROI or return on investment. So it's looking at if I put a dollar of, um, or spend into my marketing, how much am I getting back from that? And if it's, Two times three times five times ten whatever it is, as long as i 'm making profit on it, everything else is a little bit easier, like you still want to dive in, kind of figure out where you can improve it, but you know theoretically you 've got a pretty good marking machine right where you put a dollar in and you get two out so that's the number one metric for us, the core metric. If that metric isn't where it, ha- it needs to be or isn't the right way, then we dive into the other stuff to kind of give us an indicator of where where things are and what's happening. so we look at return on investment as the number one metric, top line you know, most important. Next we look at is how many sales came through, right? How many sales and what a customer is worth to us. So it's something called CLV, customer Life and value. Generally, we track it over 12 months, let's just say. But if we've got a customer that comes on board, if they stay for 12 months, how much do we make each customer? And then we can look at how much do we pay to to buy a customer, to acquire a customer, essentially. And so those numbers would start pushing you down, down down into the rabbit hole if your customer is worth a hundred bucks to you over the course of 12 months, you're paying 200 for it, you're losing money. So let's look at why you're paying 200. Is it that the amount of leads coming in is, is, is too expensive. Like you're paying too much for your leads or is it that you're getting decent leads, but you're not converting enough of them over to being a customer. Mm. So it's a whole um, funnel and a whole, whole matrix that we track through, but essentially start at the very top, which is, are we making money
1: from our marketing? It's a really good point. So, um, ROI. Right. And and I think this is where like the comparison of ROI month to month would really, really matter. So looking at, okay, well, you know, like you said, um, this is what we're spending. Um, and you know, if we're spending like this would compile from, um, I'm guessing what you pay from an actual marketing perspective. So if you're putting money into Facebook ads, if you're putting money into Instagram ads, Google AdWords, whatever that is, um, and then it would also be, you know, with the softwares that you're using and all of these things and compiling it up. And then what you're looking at is going, okay, if I track this month to month, all I really want to see is that each month I'm getting a greater return on investment. And if those numbers, you know, for instance, a really good way to do this is you can actually just track, you go, uh um, you can literally go, I think it's revenue divided by expenses or no, it'll be expenses divided by revenue. And that'll actually give you a, a number. And, and if that number um, goes up, no down, if it's, yeah. if it's expenses divided by revenue, um, if that number goes down each week or each month or, you know, each quarter, what that actually means is you're actually getting a greater profit margin. Um, but it also means that what you're doing is actually working. So, for instance, it's like right now what you want to start to do is you want to go ROI. And, and if you're not spending a heap of money on that, what you might even start to do is place some uh, monetary value on your time. Um, or, you know, you want to start looking at, um, tracking instead of tracking the monetary side of it, tracking, um, the investment as maybe social media posts and, and these kind of things and looking at how are we going to get a better return during this time? But I think the key thing here is, is that the way you should like a big part of marketing your business right now is not intuitively thinking what your customers want, because intuition more often than not is wrong. and. Often when we use intuition to track metrics in our business, especially when it comes to marketing, we're only guessing what we think the customer wants. and if we if that doesn't actually work then we're not left within at the next move. We're actually sitting there and we're going okay, well, if I don't know what the next move is, then intuitively, I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be like, okay, well, I'm confused because I thought this would work and that's where a lot of us find ourselves. I can, I can guarantee you is that we go, okay, well, I thought this was going to work, but it, it didn't actually work. Now what do I do? Oh my God, I'm confused. I lack clarity. Where is it? It's like, okay, well, if I actually start tracking some of these critical driving metrics, I can sit here and go, okay, well, it it didn't give us the return we want. Maybe we just take a slight pivot and and change this one thing, right? And then all of a sudden we track. And if that gets us on a, gets us a better, a better return, um, or, or, you know, shows that metric on comparison to last month, we're getting better Then I can go. Okay. Well, what actually within the last month do we see, um, maybe, maybe got us there or or what are we tracking that shows us whether we got us there or not. And, and it's really interesting. So, you know, just an insight is some of the critical drivers we use within, within our business is podcast downloads per month. Um, we also use resource downloads from our website. Um, and then we also use, um, website traffic. Um, and they're the critical drivers to the outcome that we're actually looking at. And then we have, um, our financial metrics as well, but we also have, um, We look at our assets, so what we're spending, and then we we use that as a way to divide um, into our revenue to see our productivity within that realm. So a really cool kind of thing to look at from that point is going, okay, well, we know that if we get more podcasts down, like, first of all, we go, okay, we had to filter where we got our leads from. So we go, okay, well, we've got, you know, our podcast, we've got our podcast. We've got these different things that we're trialing at the moment. And then we go, okay, well, the podcast is getting us the most bang for buck. So then we go, how can we hone in the podcast, create a strategy around that, that allows us to then, um, you know, um, really focus in on it. And then we can start to optimize based on those metrics, podcast downloads, resource downloads, website traffic. If we see all of those go up um, and then we don't see a correlation with our revenue going up then we know that we're not being productive enough from getting those metrics to people that are actually buying. So we can focus on that. Or if it is working, then we know that we can double down on it and keep doing more of the same stuff. Yeah.
0: It's it's, it's actually a great way. Look, I'll I'll, I'll give a couple of examples. Um, One from a client of ours who's spending, you know, $500,000 a month on, 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 on marketing. Right. So with them, what they look at during this cycle is they they've got the the, they know what their returns are because obviously they've grown to big enough size where they track returns every single month but throughout the process they know exactly where in 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 the customer lifetime or customer flow things are breaking they know that they can acquire leads for this amount of dollars if that's going up maybe it's something wrong with there with what they're trying to get leads in with like is it that the ebooks not working anymore is it this other strategy that's working better if that's working well next is like conversion so are people in- interested in what we're having to say right what's the next part and then finally it's like well if people are coming through and looking at our sales page and our sales page isn't converting well if every other metric is correct it's something to do with our offer or how we're presenting our offer so having data really gives you an educated look at what's happening or which areas of the business you actually need to change like for example we had um you know we we, we launched an offer for for ourselves and this is uh, an area that we actually failed in and we tracked the metrics across our our funnels our customer flow and every single metric looked pretty well when people saw our site they liked it they signed up they gave us a name and emails they flowed through really nicely but we didn't make that many sales. And it came down to it. everything was good. And when we tracked it, it was the offer that wasn't working, right? It was off the way that we presented the offer. So if we didn't have the data tracking through that entire process, we would have been like, we just don't know. Like, is it is it more marketing? Do we throw more budget at this? Or what is the actual issue? Uh, but because we had the numbers, we could really quickly, quickly alter it and pivot and then get to a point where it was actually making making
1: decent money. I think that's a really important point. Like, you know, again. Coming back, this is one of the the pillars that we talk about in steel on the walls. It's, it's intelligence, um, and and having intelligence within your business that gives you insights that tells you what what you need to fix, um, and what you need to adjust to get closer. And you're always you're always working on the weakest link, which means you're always creating a stronger company. Um, and I think like you know if we actually just look at that in general, like you know marketing is is a is a big factor of growth in business, but it's it's like, you know, I think the thing that most people are missing is the intelligence side because this is why marketing can either be seen as a God or, or the devil, right? Like, and that's what you see mm-hmm. is that people who work, marketing hasn't worked with hate it and people who have marketing's worked with love it. Um, you know, you always got a really good testimonial from someone who's been through marketing, um, so I think intelligence there is, is really, it's, it's, it's the neutrality that marketing actually needs um, in order to kind of get the rap that it, it, it actually has or it deserves. Right. Cause it's like the reality is, is there's no guarantees in marketing. There's only optimization. Right. And that's the, mm-hmm. that's the, that's the thing that, you know, I've definitely learned along the way. Um, all right. So what we're going to do, we'll open up for some questions guys. Um, and what I want to do is, you know, we've got a, a little bit left and I want to kind of see what, is there anything that you guys need to help with? Is there any questions that you have about your own business um, or your own strategy that you're trying to implement right now? Or is there anything you're just struggling with in general? Um, drop them in the Q&A box and, and um, we'll both kind of um, have a bit of a riff about it and, and answer it to the best of our ability. I will say, though, as well, well I, think, I think the hardest thing during this time is um, a lot of people um, don't know what they don't know. Um, and, and it is hard to to ask questions in a time like this when you do feel a little bit lost. Um, and that's something that I'll say, you know, because we, we went through that at times, you know, like where we're kind of like there was one, you know, maybe for an hour or so where we're kind of like, fuck, like what do we actually do? And I think the thinking time is... I know that it's in the book that me and you have, have been reading or we've kind of almost finished reading. And um, it, it really is like a, a game changing thing, having thinking time in your day each day where you're spending time with no external stimulus, just kind of creating um, time to, to think and be creative and, and, you know, ask the unasked questions and work through a problem. I think that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I could give to anyone is spend time thinking about your problems. Don't just um, try to solve it with the click of a finger
0: yeah i would also look at it um if, if you don't know where to start from don't start at the start start at the very very end right it's kind of like well i don't know what's my first step but where do i want to go like where do i want to end up in six months time what does what do i want my business to look like well if you say something like i wanted to i wanted to be making 50 grand a month um you know with x amount of customers all right cool well let's work backwards and say well to get to that point from where we are now what has to happen then you can kind of work backwards and kind of ask some better questions working backwards because sometimes if you're looking at the road ahead, you're like, I don't know how I'm going to, how, you know, what, what I'm going to do to go where I need to go. So let's just take, let's just don't worry about the stuff that you don't know about and just start where you have some kind of idea where you've got some kind of clue,
1: which is generally always where I want to end up the next six to 12 months. 100%. Well, just what will do, um, as I said, guys, drop your questions in if you have anything personally you want to ask about your business, but, um, What are the steps that you take when you, you know, a client comes in and you have to, and they come to you and you're like, okay, well, how do you actually go about creating the strategy and what are the steps you take to just give an insight into what people can start to do right now to create a strategy that's going to work for their business? Yeah.
0: So the biggest thing that we look at is where they are now and also where, where where they actually want to go. So, you should know where you are, right? If you don't, well, then you've got other issues besides marketing. Marketing can't solve the issue. You need to know your numbers. You need to know what your current lead flow is like. You need to know what current revenue is like, your profit, all that kind of stuff. As a business owner, you should have that stuff on hand um, and be across it at least once a week. Like I I look at my numbers every single day because, you know, for us in in a rapidly changing environment, we just have to. Um, If you know your numbers, then... Like where they are now, and you have a goal for where you want to be in six months. For example, you know it's like oh well, I want to make a hundred grand profit in six months time. Okay, cool. So now we've got some kind of idea of where we have to look. The path we have to travel. We have an idea of how long it's going to take us to travel that. So let's break it down into small steps. So um, in month one, what do I need to do to set myself up for month two? Month two, set myself up for month three, all the way up until I actually hit my goal. Now, to do that, right, there's a few things that we'll have to look at. We look at what are my low-cost ways of doing that, low-cost being low-cost in terms of money, but more in terms of time. So if you're not spending money on your marketing, you're probably spending some time. Um, so we look at low-cost option. What is a medium-cost option where we're still spending some time, but we're putting some money into it as well? How how quickly, how, how much can we narrow that gap down or you know, how can we make sure we actually hit that goal? And the third is like a, a high-cost option where if we just put everything in, what can we do? And then we look at that versus what resources we've actually got and kind of, uh, you know, create a plan based on where you are, where you want to go, your current resources, you have to apply to the problem or to to the journey and work out strategies based on that. Because if you don't know those things, well, there's not, the plan isn't real.
1: hundred percent. I think that's probably, um, guys, but yeah, what i get you to do is, um, is drop in the comments if that actually resonates with you, where you feel a little bit lost and then it actually could be a little bit of not understanding exactly where you are right now. Because um, I think like, you know, I think like the lack of like generalizations kill clarity. And I think clarity is what drives motivation and, you know, motivation is what drives all creativity. So I think it's like, there's that, there's that like kind of product, production line there from an internal perspective that if you don't know where you are and you don't know where you want to go the reality is it's going to be hard for you to come up with anything that's um, got somewhat any substance to it that's actually going to allow you to start to drive growth in your business Um, we've got a question from patty um, will and he said if you've never done any type of marketing where do you start to look for metrics and data that will tell us um, what it is that we should be marketing in our own individual business?
0: That, that's always a bit hard. Um, and it's a good question too, because if you've never spent money on marketing before, it's one of those areas where like, how do I know I'm doing a good job, right? Um, what I look at doing is getting some general market data in terms of what everyone else in the market is doing. Now, once you have your own numbers, I, I don't put too much uh, weight behind market data, but if you don't have your own numbers and, and your own data from now and metrics, that's definitely a good place to start looking at what other people within the industry are actually doing, what they say that their numbers are and use it as some kind of benchmark. Um, now it might not be accurate for you long-term because for example, if you have a premium service and someone's talking about marketing like a $5 a month product, whereas your service is 500, well the numbers you can allow the numbers to be quite different. Um, but if you don't have any other numbers, just have a general feel for what the market is doing and typically what their numbers are. So if you just Google it, there should be some pretty good, good stats out there
1: what's your opinion on like a social media account? Um, like, uh, so for instance, like, you know, cause obviously like there's, there's two types of marketing There's paid and then there's organic, like, mm-hmm. um, and that they're very different, right. In nature, they're very, they're so different, but it's kind of like, um, you know, is, is that a good place to look as well? And actually, cause I think the hardest thing about tracking metrics is tracking the metrics. Like if you've never tracked mm-hmm. metrics before it, you can, it can all seem too hard and too confusing. So like, what do you, what, like, is there, do you think that there's a good place to start is looking at, you know, um, tracking metrics with their social media account and actually looking at what's working versus what's not, what's not working.
0: Yeah, even if you're testing very small budgets in in terms of ads, you know, even if you're putting like two or three dollars a day into ads, ads for your business, Facebook would actually give you some good metrics to start focusing on. Um, I wouldn't do organic at the moment because, um, you know, there's less than 1% reach. So even if you've had a thousand people following your page, less than 1% of them see your post. Um, so on Facebook anyway, or organic is pretty much dead. Like it's, pay, it's, it's paid to play, but you don't have to pay a lot to actually get the right exposure. So I'll, even if you say, I'm going to take 50 bucks, I'm going to spend it on ads, test something out and see what the data tells me. You'll get a really good indicator of what numbers are actually important because, you know, Facebook would actually tell you and, and they'll give you the full stats behind it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a good point. Like starting with a number that's you're okay with losing. Like I think initially, like especially as you get into marketing, like you want to see what the return on investment is, but you've got to be comfortable with spending that money anyway. Like if you haven't previously spent money on marketing, um, the reality is that, is that, there's nothing wrong with actually doing it. And it's just going to get you in front of more of your followers. And it's a great way for you to get exposure. And right now, especially now more than ever, you know, as more people are posting on social media, more people are spending money there. Like, you know, choose if it's $50 a week, like spend $50 a week. Like we don't actually spend a whole, a whole heap. Like I'm spending $150 a week or per episode on our podcast right now. And we're getting like, we last month we had 25,000 minutes viewed like, you know, and that's a really good metric for us to track. We're looking at, okay, well, what's, you know, what kind of podcast episodes are actually getting us more minutes viewed based on the money we're spending and we're spending the same amount of money. Um, so there's like a, a little insight into some of the metrics we're using and we're only spending $150. Like that's it. That's all we're spending. And then we're, we're actually not relying on paid offers or paid marketing with an offer to get us over the line. We're actually looking at, paying for our content to get viewed, relying that our content is delivering the right message or the solving the right problems and then getting people on the back end with that. And that's just a little insight, me being totally transparent with you guys as well um, on, on some of the metrics and some of the way we do it. Um, We've got another, another question. Um, EJ. So when pivoting the business and adjusting your marketing, what are some of the steps we can take to help the mindset of staff and colleagues to pivot with the business?
0: That's a great question because um, the, the, the biggest issue that I find with with, with all our businesses is, is, is staff, right? Um, you know, it, people often joke about like I just wish there were clones of me in the business, and the business would grow so much faster. Um, but people are are you know, difficult to manage. If, if um, you know, if you ask a whole bunch of business owners, staff would be the number one thing. Yeah. I think, from my point of view, it depends on. And I'll split this into kind of local stuff and also offshore because we do a lot of offshoring. Um, so most of our team is actually based in the Philippines and we've got a few locally. I think, um, in terms of locally, the biggest thing you can do is give them a vision of where you want to go in terms of the business. Like give them something to believe in, right? So the business, if they, if they feel like they're part of a mission to do something substantial, to have a difference, that generally means they're more aligned rather than just turning up from, from Monday to Friday night to five for a, for a paycheck. Like if that's what, what they're doing, it's going to be super hard to get them to pivot because it's, it's more work for them, right? Every time there's a change in business, it's more work for them. It kind of adds, adds to what they're actually doing. Um, but if you can build a vision, tell them why you're actually making the pivot, tell them why you're actually making the change, you know, bring them in, in into your long-term thinking. I think, if they're on side of you, if they understand why the change is happening, they understand that it's beneficial for them long-term as well. I don't think you'll have an issue with them,
1: uh, but you've also got to reinforce a message pretty much every week. The So I, I was listening to a podcast the other day. It was really, really great. But what it talked about from a staffing point of view, or even just um, having people on board is that, what most people want out of a job is not actually rewards from bonuses and these kind of things they actually want to they want to be able to grow internally so they want to they want to feel like they're mastering what they're doing and they have control over their role and creative control so if you actually look at that and you go okay well if you're making a pivot then you want to give people this allowance within their role to be creative and actually innovate themselves in alignment with what this long-term vision actually is. So um, the pivot is like, don't make the pivot without them and then just try to tell them what to do get them to help you with what the pivot actually is. Um, I know that that's for us is like, that's where we get the most bang for buck is that when we have people who align with our values and we create a company culture, but then a big part of that company culture is giving people the freedom to be as creative as they want. Um, and, and really drive the ship um, and help us grow the business as a whole and reward that rather than, um, you know, these kind of short plays at trying to get people to to work as hard as possible, whereas you reward creativity and innovation and give people freedom within their role. Um, You know, I think that's really where the rubber hits the road. And especially when we talk about making the pivot and adjusting your marketing, it's like, you know, don't necessarily just, be the 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 king of the castle thinking that you know best and that you need to make the pivot and that you know just because it's your business you should be doing blah 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 it's like well you know sit everyone down and and give everyone a seat at the table and allow them to actually have an input into um you know where how you actually pivot because a big part of your brand is them um and they are the they are your, your greatest asset. You want to know what gives you the biggest amount of leverage in business. It's having a great team um, and having a great team is a team that innovate and create without the, the necessity of you doing and, and watching over every little thing um, because it allows you to spend more time in the business, doing what your, your job in the business is. Um, and you know, that's, that's probably my advice with this is kind of, you know, the mindset of staff and colleagues is, Usually, if they're struggling to make the pivot with you, it's because of the way you've been managing the team previously.
0: Yeah, that 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 that, that all you know. For some reason, they've got a fear that if things change, then they're, they're actually going to lose their jobs. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. Like if you think about it from from your employee's point of view, the biggest fear they've got is that something happens and and, and tomorrow you just turn around and go look sorry guys but you just don't don't have work anymore um if you can answer that if you can get them on board if you can give them recognition fulfillment i think could be i think they'll be more excited about about this pivot than than anything else like just to give you some context we're launching a new brand kind of tied into what we do but definitely you know a whole separate business and my team instead of freaking out they're really embracing they're really loving the challenge of it because they understand long term how it fits in the vision of what we do everything else and they can see their part in that and they can understand that it's going to be more beneficial for them rather than taking away and and putting them in the position where they might lose their jobs yeah awesome